The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. In some cases, the Christian church has lost super important Bible stories. And we're about to read one of those stories that the Christian church has, has almost buried and lost. But the scriptures themselves testify to the power and importance of this story. Repeatedly, Moses goes back to what happened at Massa and Meribah. It shows up in Ezekiel, in the Psalms, and throughout the New Testament about what a murmuring people can be like to God's ears. I want to read this lesson to you from Exodus chapter 17 as we follow the Israelites out away from the Red Sea and into the desert with the Lord. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, But there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? And Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Masa. Masa means testing. And Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. We need to be able to recognize the Lord's testing in our life. Or to put it the way that our lesson puts it, we need to be able to identify Masa, testing. Could you do a little exercise for me this morning? Just in your own minds. In the last day, in the last week, in the last months, even into the last decade if you're old enough, can you name your Masa? Can you think about when the Lord tested you. If you can't, then how in the world are you going to be able to name 
your masa in the present moment when the Lord actually is testing you. You see, I don't think we often think about it in the Christian church, but this is a truth that the Lord sometimes puts us to the test. Sometimes He leads us out into the desert and He asks us a heavy spiritual question. How are you going to respond when you don't have enough water to drink? You know, in the Christian church, we actually talk about the big three about how spiritual growth happens. You know what they are? Meditatio, oratio, and tentatio. In other words, the way that we grow spiritually is through three ways, the big three. Meditating on the Word of God, praying to our dear Father in Heaven, and number three is when the Lord puts us to the test. That's when we grow the most. And I think we've forgotten that. Sometimes the Spirit leads us out into the desert of life and He asks us a question, now how are you going to respond? And I want to help you today. This is our big goal. I want to help you today to name your masa. And I want to do that in three ways. First of all, I want you to be able to know when masa normally comes into your life. I want you to be able to see what failure at Masa looks like, and I want you to know how Masa ends. I want to say something that's actually kind of ridiculous right now. And even the youngest, even the youngest here today will kind of understand this. Masa comes after Exodus. Okay? That's, that's blatantly obvious, isn't it? Testing from the Lord comes after He's split the Red Sea. See, this, this is a biblical truth. This is a biblical paradigm. Testing from the Lord comes almost always immediately after we have seen the great salvific acts of the Lord. So think on this. In the last six months of the Israelites' life, what have they seen? They've seen ten plagues. More than that. They've seen the Lord not only open the Red Sea, but close it at just the right time. They have seen the Lord in His presence through a pillar of cloud and through a pillar of fire. They have seen the Lord sweeten the water at Marah. They have seen the Lord rain down meat from heaven and quail. They have seen the Lord provide now manna from heaven. And now here they are. They arrive at Rephidim. And the Lord decides to put the people of God to the test. And for just a little while, He decides not to provide for them a drinking fountain on wheels. See, testing comes after the great gospel events in our lives. Now, this is true of Jesus' life. Jesus' life is almost a repetition of what we see in the book of Exodus. So think on this. One of the greatest spiritual fireworks show in, in the whole New Testament is the baptism of Jesus. So boom! The heavens 
are torn open and then and then boom the spirit comes down in the form of dove and then boom the father speaks encouraging words to the son he says this is my son whom i love listen to him and you know what happens immediately after that masa the scriptures say this jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. You see my point? Masa comes after Exodus. Masa comes after the great salvific gospel events in our lives. That's when testing comes, and I think we need to think about that. When does testing come into your life? It's always after the not mountaintop experience. So if you're a new Christian, if you're newly baptized, you need to know something. That that experience, that joy in coming to know Jesus, will all of a sudden, you'll come down the mountain and be led by the Spirit into a spiritual wilderness. And you'll be asked the question, how are you going to respond when there isn't enough water? Or maybe you've been declared cancer-free. Or, or maybe you've been through like this once-in-a-lifetime experience where you come out of it and you say in your heart, like you really say in your heart, like, I will never, ever doubt God again because I've seen His power. I've seen His love for me. God is great. God is awesome. And my faith will never be the same. And then you come down off the mountain. And the Lord Jesus takes you into the desert, and you're tested. How will you respond? I don't know how many times I've visited people like in the hospital or after one of these events in people's lives, and sometimes I think it in my head, other times I say it out loud, and I say, be careful now. I know that you think that you'll never doubt God again. I know that you think that you'll never come down off the mountain, but you will. And the Spirit will take you by the hand and lead you out in the desert and you'll have to be respond to the question, how are you going to act? How are you going to believe when there isn't enough water? That's the first thing we need to learn about Masa, about testing in our lives. When we call it Masa, we need to know that we're going to get tested right after God shows to us His great power. But that's not all we need to know this morning. I need you to also know this, that when we need, we're able to identify Masa in another way by seeing failure at Masa. Now, to put it simply, failure at Masa looks like our lesson. <laughs> failure in testing looks exactly like this. It looks like people kind of sort of ascending a spiritual ladder that starts with grievances, it moves to demands, and then later it, it moves to uh, rejection and ultimately violence. See, because they were ready to pick up stones and stone Moses. Step one is always the complaints. Where's our water? Step two is the demand. Give us water now. Step three is rejection 
of legitimate authority that God has placed in your life, step four is a rejection of that authority that's so fierce that you actually contemplate violence against that authority. And worst of all, you're able to justify this. You're able to justify your complaints and the way you're acting towards authority. You're able to say, it's not my fault, it's theirs. And you don't even recognize what's going on spiritually. What you're really doing is you're angry with the way the Lord is providing for you in the desert. And you're asking a question of unbelief. Is God among us or not? See, this is failure at Mass, and you've got to take this in. Where are the complaints in your life? I gotta say that the Lord never praises complainers. Can you find a single passage in the Bible where God says, "Good job, you're you're really good at complaining, at murmuring," or take it one step further? Can you can you name in, in your life not only where the complaints are, but where the demands are rising up instead of prayer? Where is it that you go to somebody else and say, you have to do this for me and you've got to do it now. Give me water. And does it then result in the rejection of a legitimate authority in your life? Because if you see these things happening, then you're walking down the same path of Masa that you that the Israelites walked down, and it's an absolute failure of a God-given test in your life. I thought about this for myself. I really did. I thought about my complaints. And I was really convicted by this. About how God has tested me and I failed. Maybe you're with me right there at Massa. So far we've seen when God brings Massa into our life, usually immediately after the salvific acts, we've seen also what failure at Massa looks like. The last thing I want to look at with you is how Massa ends. It's a really interesting thing that happens here, how the Lord brings Massa to an end. You, get, you actually get the sense as you're reading along in the story that it's not going to end well for the Israelites because the Lord actually says to Moses to do two interesting things. He says the first thing that he wants him to do is to get the same staff. The same staff that Moses used against Pharaoh. And remember what that staff did. They struck the Nile and he took drinking water away and turned it to blood. So you get this sort of foreboding sense like, "Uh uh-oh. Then the Lord says to Moses, he says, he says, take that staff and and hit the rock. Don't don't just tap it. Like, Like, strike it good and hard, he says. And you get this, you get this foreboding sense that maybe the Lord's going to bring this moment of justice for this, this bitter, complaining, groaning people. 
And I wonder, I wonder, I think about that moment when Moses had the staff and how he hit the rock. Have you thought about that? I wonder if he took the staff, sort of like this, and he just went with the broad side of the staff, like, whack! Or if he took the staff and he had it kind of up and down like this, and he went, whack! Right in front of the people. And you think blood's going to come out or, or nothing at all. And, and God's incredible grace, sweet water comes out. A river. No, like, like the psalmists talk about this moment and it says like a veritable sea of water fills up that desert because the way that God responds to bitter complaints and to failure at Masa is with faithfulness. When we fail God and are not faithful, He is faithful. The Scriptures say this about that rock. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said, For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Whack! And all of God's wrath against bitter complaining fell on Christ. Whack! The whip comes down on Jesus' back and He receives what we deserve. Whack! Whack! The nails go into His hands and feet. That rock was Christ. And God put on Him what we rightly deserve. This is a moment of grace. See, before, if you think about the way that the Exodus story is unfolding for us, we probably wouldn't understand grace. Not yet. Because you might think that the people who suffered such injustice received from God what they actually deserved. They deserved rescue. But now we see that this is a people that was actually undeserving. Because how do they repay God for His great acts of salvation? They treat Him like He's some sort of cosmic vending machine. That well, He doesn't give us water in the moment they, 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 they demand it. They fail Him. But our God, when we are faithless, He is faithful. When we make demands... He meets them. And water flows in the desert to an undeserving people. Here's another big truth that we want to learn today. When God ends Masa, He gives us the strength to endure the test. Sometimes that means He makes water flow in the desert. Other times He gives us that encouraging word that we need. Sometimes it means that He gives us a piece of bread, but He always gives us exactly what we need. 
The truth of the Scriptures teaches us this about Christian living is that there are different seasons in our life. Now, I think I've talked about this quite a bit here at Your Foundation, but I think we need to know that there's different seasons. Sometimes we're in the season of salvation. The season where we're on top of the mountain and God is, is intervening in our lives, but sometimes we're in a season of testing. Where it seems that God removes from us His providence. He removes from us that, you know, water fountain on wheels just for a time. And he asks us this question, how are you going to respond now in the desert? And what I've tried to do this morning is simply this. I want you to be able to recognize that moment and give you a perspective on it. I want you to see what that failure looks like. But most of all, I want you to know when you get to that moment of testing in your life, that grace flows from the rock. Amen.